travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. As we reach the end of 2021, the world looks forward to travel again, but the travel experience may never be the same. This isn't necessarily a bad thing, however, as we discussed on a recent episode, number 132, predicting travel trends in Asia for 2022 and beyond. Supporting this assertion, a June 2021 Booking.com study that polled more than 29,000 travelers across 30 countries suggests that the pandemic has been a tipping point for sustainable travel. But how are travelers to know which properties in Asia are the most sustainable and regenerative, representing the region's next generation hotels? That's one of the topics we'll be discussing with our guest Tomo Hamakawa on this week's show. I'm Trevor Ranges in Phnom Penh, Cambodia. And with me, as always, is Scott Coates, still in Bangkok. Good, I'm doing well, man. Thanks. It's uh, great to get back together, chat travel. I think it's been a little while since we've done an environmental type travel theme, although we've done lots of them over the years. And I'm really looking forward to learning more about what Tomo is doing in the space, both with his own hotel, but associations, because, you know, when we travel, we don't want to think that we're leaving a ton of waste and negative impact where we go. But I bet you we leave much more of those two things than we think. Yeah, you know, I'm fortunate in, in many ways, having been a, a travel writer for many years. Um, but one of the benefits of that was learning about hotels that were making great efforts to minimize their environmental impact on their environment and trying to do beneficial things to the local communities. Um, so I've always been hopeful, but, uh, you know, I, I didn't ever really realize that, uh, you know, most people didn't necessarily have the same goals as I am. And, and it's kind of exciting that uh, that trend may be changing. Yeah, I always like to think I'm leaving a lighter footprint, but I'm also under no illusion because I haven't really gone out of my way when it comes to hotels impact. But you know what? There are things which I just consider standard now. Like I don't want my sheets changed every day or every three days for that mm. matter. I get super irritated when hotels have that sign, you know, hang your towel on the hook if you don't and want us to change, change it. And it you anyway. come back and there's always a fresh folded towel. I want water in glass bottles in my room or, or something recyclable, not plastic. And I want a water source that I can fill up my personal bottle with water, you know, a keep guests hydrated, but I don't want to go through plastic. So there's a lot of those little things now that are kind of standard on my list. And I will take the time to comment back to the general manager or something while I'm there. If I don't see those kind of things, because I figure they've got to hear it, but little things like that have started to become standard on my radar. Absolutely. That's what I was just going to say, what you just mentioned there at the end. Like, as a traveler, you do have some influence, you know, and sometimes the manager isn't aware of these issues and they want to know, you know. So if you don't want your towel changed and they do change it anyway, you know, ask to speak with the manager and just mention it to them, you know, like they generally often want that feedback. And, and then if they don't, you know, then I mean, that's what social media is for. You can let people know that you weren't satisfied with your stay. And if you find a property that, that does respond to your needs and gives you that experience, I think, uh, you know, you should respond in kind by promoting them. 
Absolutely. And just a wee bit of a disclaimer. We're going to reference uh, a Booking.com survey. I work for Agoda, who is owned by Booking, but I'm not involved at all in the survey. It just happens to be one of the most thorough pieces of data that we found that kind of inspired us along on this episode a wee bit. So Trevor, if people like this podcast, what can they do to help us keep it going? Well, as always, we have show notes on our website, talktravelasia.com. And there we have links and Google Maps and photo galleries that go along with our episodes. But you'll also see a link there where you can donate to the show on Patreon and become a patron to our show. Because uh, Scott and I have been doing this for almost eight years now. And, uh, you know, it's all out of pocket. And we've done it just to kind of keep in touch with each other and to, you know, keep our love for, for travel alive. Uh, and share it with others. But, uh, you know, we appreciate every penny that anyone gives us because, uh, you know, we, we really appreciate the support. And in return, we do special videos, special episodes uh, for patrons only that we send out every other week in between the weeks that we have episodes. Wow, it's been eight years. I knew it had been a while, but I didn't know it had been eight years. That's really quite something. I feel good for the longevity on that. That's great. We've kept this going, Trevor, and I've really enjoyed it and the amazing people we get to talk to. So on that note, should uh, we bring Tomo in? Yeah, let's do it. Tomo Hamakawa is a seasoned development professional, having lived and worked in various corners of the world from the Tibetan Plateau, Indian drylands, Indonesian tropics to Japanese metropolises. He has extensive field experience working for international and local development NGOs across Africa and Asia, including Copernic, the Children's Investment Fund Foundation, and the World Bank. He has a BA in social anthropology from Harvard College, a master's in public policy from the Harvard Kennedy School, and was an Asia-Pacific Leadership Program Fellow in 2008 and Innovation Fellow in 2020 at the East-West Center. He joins us online from Bali. Hey there, Tomo. Hi, Scott. Hi, Trevor. Hey, Tomo. How are you doing? Good, thank you. How are you guys doing? Very well. Great. And we've been sort of going back and forth about getting together for a chat for probably four or five months now. And we always like to kind of go back to the beginning. So can you tell us, for everyone listening, a little bit about Tomo? Where is he originally from? Who is he? And how the heck did he end up in Bali? Yeah, that's a great, uh, good question. Well, thanks again for having me. Uh, my name is Tomo Hamakawa, and I am originally from Japan. I was born there. Parents are both Japanese. And, uh, but I've lived literally all over the world. I'm 41 now and I've lived about, I think, 12 or 14 years in the US and then about seven in the UK, four in China, two in India, and now in my eighth year in Indonesia. And much of my career has been in this uh, area of international development, social entrepreneurship, philanthropy, that kind of stuff. And my wife and I started an organization called Earth Company about seven years ago, just as we were transitioning from Japan to Bali. Uh, we do a number of different things, um, but all towards a regenerative future. Uh, we support change makers. Uh, that's called the Impact Heroes program. We provide educational programs for schools and companies called Impact Academy. And then we also run an eco hotel called Mana Earthy Paradise in Ubud, Bali. So what do you do in your free time? I'm just kind of kidding. There. Uh, <laughs> Tomo, that's a pretty full <laughs> sleep. 
Yeah, no, and it's a, it's a really interesting background. I mean, very accomplished educational uh, history. Um, but you said, you know, as you were going to Bali. So did you just love Bali and you wanted to live there? Or was this your transition into the hospitality business, this idea to do this type of hotel there that you just mentioned? Um, so I was working for a social enterprise called Copernic, which I think was mentioned in my uh, profile. And uh, I was working out of... Tokyo for them, uh, but they're actually headquartered in Bali. And so the founders of Copernic actually invited me and my family to move to Bali to be uh, as part of their uh, headquarter team. And so my wife and I came out to Bali a couple of times to kind of figure out if this is a good place to live and raise kids. Uh, and it was a no brainer, <laughs> obviously. Uh, it was uh, just, uh, yeah, amazing on so many levels. We didn't want to be in an urban area. And so, yeah, and then also in the type of work that we do in, you know, kind of international development, Bali is a great hub for that. You know, much of Eastern Indonesia is still very, very much uh, poor and have a lot of work to do in, the, in that area. So we, we made the move in October 2014. And as, as we were moving, we actually uh, started our own organization as well. So that kind of, those two things kind of happened at the same time. Uh, and yeah, so we've been uh, running our own organization, uh, Earth Company, uh, kind of remotely actually from Bali. Yeah, but the hospitality story actually started much later. We never thought that we would be hoteliers. We never thought that we would be involved in eco-hotel. It was actually as we were running our educational programs in Bali. So this is way before COVID happened, right? And so when back in the day when we, when we were able to travel freely, uh, we were receiving groups of high school students, you know, university groups and corporate retreats in Bali focused on the themes of sustainability and social innovation. Uh, we, 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 we had great programs. Uh, visiting, you know, Green School Bali and other great social enterprises here in Bali. But then those groups that we were hosting had to stay in very unsustainable kind of mainstream hotels. And we really didn't feel good about that. Uh, there was inconsistency in what we were kind of preaching. And we were saying, well, we really want to be able to walk the talk, walk the sustainability talk. And so, you know, uh, in 2018, we started to look for a piece of land in Ubud. Uh, we found some funders who really believed in our vision. And then one thing led to another, and we opened our uh, hotel in September 2019. So just six months before COVID, which is the worst time to open any business, but especially the tourism business. Uh, if we had known there will be a pandemic happening, you know, in a few months' time, of course, there was no yeah. way we were going to start a tourism business. But yeah, uh, luckily we're still we're still surviving, and uh, yeah, so that that hotel kind of piece happened in in the very recent couple of years. Okay, well that leads perfectly kind of into the next question. Is we're going to talk obviously a bit of the foundation and the association you're making around certain hotels. But can you tell us a little bit about your property? What's the name and how many rooms and what makes it different? Yeah, so it's called Mana Earthy Paradise. And we like to describe it as a next generation 
Eco Hotel. So we, it's really an embodiment and manifestation of our values and vision that we believe in. And so we incorporate renewable energy. We harvest rainwater. We use this building technique called earth bag buildings. Uh, we also have a permaculture garden. So it's a farm to table, farm to table to farm concept at the restaurant. We also have a shop. Uh, that's that only sells uh, products with environmental and social impact stories. You know, everything that we do is really sustainable, circular, and regenerative. And we're trying to create a a small example of in the tourism industry that can really be respectful towards the local culture, the environment, and to also have a positive impact on everyone that we. Uh, interact with so yeah so in terms of the accommodation we have six villas including two dormitories so we can actually fit up to about 30 people if we kind of block out the whole place and the idea was really to be able to receive uh, and host uh, these kinds of student groups or corporate retreats so 30 people is the capacity we also have a restaurant with the capacity of about you know 70 80 people um, and so that's open to the public. And so even today, when there are very few guests coming to stay at the villas, the restaurant is actually open uh, every day and serving uh, people uh, living in Ubud and outside of Ubud. And then the shop is also open to the public. So we have uh, people coming in to buy groceries and everyday items uh, at the shop as well. Wow, sounds really interesting. So that's Mana Earthly Paradise. That's the name of yes. your property, yes? So then it, it seems like you then use that concept to try to create some sort of association or certification process to, to find other next-gen hotels that kind of shared your philosophy that you would also then try to promote. Is that how this evolved? Yeah, so we started this initiative called Asia's Next Gen Hotels uh, in the beginning of this year. And that was actually my project for the Innovation Fellowship at the East West Center last year. Um, and this is an idea to really promote boutique properties in Asia that are leading the sustainable, sustainable tourism movement. And we as MANA are just a new kid on the block in sustainable tourism. There are so many properties, you know, in Indonesia, Malaysia, Thailand, Vietnam that have been doing this for years, if not decades. And one objective of this initiative is, is for us to learn from these other pioneers. Yeah, and so the idea is to, to create a short video on each property, and it's narrated by the owner of the property. And so it's, it's telling the concept, overall concept of the hotel, and also explaining the sustainability features of the hotel itself. So it's to inspire, you know, other hotels, other properties to implement circular and regenerative practices and also to inspire travelers to go to these places when travel becomes more accessible. And I do believe that, you know, people will be wanting to travel more sustainably and more consciously when the flights start going again. So, yeah, that's the idea. Don't we all hope? So what does a hotel have to do to qualify as a next generation hotel? And how many do you have in your lines? 
Yeah, so we don't actually have a strict guideline or strict criteria. It's not a certification per se. Uh, I feel like there are enough certifications out there uh, in this ecotourism, sustainable tourism space. It's actually quite a labyrinth for properties to figure out which ones to actually uh, go for. And we actually had that issue where, as we were developing our own place. And yeah, just as a side note, we're actually trying to be B Corp certified, uh, which is not a certificate. It's the certification not specific to the tourism industry. It's, it's basically a certification for good companies. Yeah. So that, that was really for branding purposes, but you know, there's so many certifications within tourism. There's travel life and, you know, geocheck or whatever it's called, earthcheck. Um, so many of them and. The, the idea is not to, to create another one. Uh, it's really for us to showcase those properties that are been doing this for many years and are respected in this space and to, yeah, for, for them to, to have their own voice in telling their stories. Cool. Well, you know, you mentioned that COVID might not have been the best time to start a hotel or something in the travel industry. But at the same time, you shared with us a booking.com study from June of this year that suggested that this has become a tipping point in travel for travelers wanting to travel more responsibly, to find more responsible properties. Um, and in that study, uh, 30% weren't able to find such properties or didn't know such kinds of properties existed. So in a way, you're kind of positioned yourself now to, to perhaps make an impact on the industry. That study by Booking.com that surveyed 29,000 travelers from 30 countries, to me, was a real kind of a tipping point, as you said. Um, and it, it really indicates where the tourism industry is going, I think. And obviously, when we started developing MANA back in 2018, our hypothesis was that, you know, that this, the tourism industry is heading in that direction and that, you know, sustainable tourism is, is indeed niche at the moment, but it will become more and more mainstream. And we think the pandemic has really accelerated that shift. And one example that we are seeing at our property is the increasing domestic interest in sustainable and organic lifestyle. And so when we first opened, we really weren't tar targeting domestic Indonesians, to be honest. You know, we were really thinking that it's, it's really from other countries, including Europe, North America, and other, um, Asian countries that would be interested in experiencing this new kind of accommodation. But the pandemic happens and obviously foreign tourists have not been able to come in. And it's uh, domestic tourists or domestic kind of long-term uh, stay people, you know, in, in Bali coming from places like Jakarta, Surabaya. And yeah, we, and they're, they're really interested, right? They, they are, they might be the Chinese Indonesians or the Muslims uh, that are really catching on to this new trend of sustainability. And, and, and I think the pandemic has, def has, has, has been a, has been a trigger um, for that as well. So Tomo, how does a traveler make a difference to a destination because of the hotel they choose? So in Bali, there's some data um, showing that an average traveler, a foreign travel, would consume 
about 2,500 liters of water per day staying in Bali. And that's obviously not just drinking water, because uh, you can't consume that much water. Um, but it's the swimming pool, it's the laundry, it's the gardens, it's everything, right? Staying. And that's the average. That's and so the, at the high end resorts, it's estimated to be like 4,000 liters, right? Which is huge. And that figure is staggering because the locals consume about 180 liters per day. And so it's more than 10 times. And in terms of waste generated, the figure is about fivefold. So an average traveler、uh, generates about, I think it was 3.7 kilograms of waste per day.、Mm. And an average local is a, li- a little less than a kilogram. I think it was 0.7 kilograms or something, right? And so the tourism industry has a, an immense environmental impact, right? And in terms of water shortage, it's actually quite severe that it's so severe that a lot of agricultural communities That have been using, you know, water in the most efficient and effective way are now,、uh, have to abandon agriculture altogether or,、uh, shift or,、uh, shift crops to be able to adjust to the water shortages. The tourism industry itself has a, a huge impact and we really didn't want to be part of that and show that tourism can and should be done in a different way. Those are staggering numbers to think how much of an extra burden somebody puts on a country by visiting. Wow. It's interesting, especially there in Bali, which has a long tradition of trying to have like,、uh, you know, retreats that are for your wellness and, and such. And, and maybe many of those people who are there for good intentions don't even realize the impact of their water、yeah. consumption、uh, while staying in, in a big resort. But I don't know that that's the best way to, to market a hotel to get people to want to go. So maybe like there's ways that you can enhance the traveler experience by choosing a next gen hotel. That, that is a better marketing appeal. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's definitely positive marketing is better than trying to criticize you know, the existing industry. I think more and more people are definitely finding more meaning in this new kind of tourism. And so they, it's, it's about you know, connect, being connected to nature as well, right? And so for those who stay at our property, they might think, oh, there are more insects or more mosquitoes than usual, right?、Um, which can actually be、uh, annoying, to be honest.、Um, and we're trying to control the insects and pests as much as possible in natural ways. But that's going to be an ongoing challenge for, for any eco hotel out there, right? Because we don't want to use chemicals. We don't want to exterminate everything in sight. Um, because we do want to be in harmony with nature. And the other thing is, like, we are in the rainy season right now, and 100% of the lighting in our property、uh, is powered by the sun. And so when it's raining or even cloudy for even two or three days, our batteries actually run really low, right? And so,、mm. yeah, we, we've gotten some complaints,、uh, just to be very transparent, you know, saying sometimes the batteries run out in the middle of the night, you know. And so we're trying to purchase more batteries in order to adjust to, to this,、uh, to the, to the rating season. Another kind of example that is really interesting about being in harmony with nature is the, is climate change, right? So the climate is changing rapidly. 
And that means we as a eco hotel also need to adjust to the volatility uh, and unpredictability of the, of the elements. And so, as you know, La Nina has been, you know, uh, 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 this year and last year, there's been really big rains due to La Nina. And I think it was beginning of this year, we had so much rain that it actually flooded our property and the water went into the water filtration system. Because if you can imagine the rainwater coming on the, on the roof, and then we actually harvest that rainwater and store it underground, underneath our parking lots. And then there's a 60 cubic meter tank. And then right next to it is the filtration system with sand and UV and all these filters, right? And some of them actually run on electricity. And so, and of course, we, we had anticipated, you know, these low levels of flooding that the entrance of these, uh, the tank and the, and the filtration system were elevated. But we, the one time we got so much rain, that water actually started going into the filtration system and it actually broke, destroyed all the electric machines in there. And so we had to purchase new equipment and we actually had to elevate the entrance of these, of these, uh, of the tank and the, um, filtration system in order to cope with the, the, the rising, like, rising flood levels. So, Tomo, somebody decides they're going to choose a next-generation hotel. In what ways is their experience as a traveler enhanced by doing so? Yeah, good question. Um, I do think having, whenever they visit these next-generation hotels, I think the best thing to do is to get, get a tour from the staff or the owner because there's a lot of thought that goes into designing and implementing these properties. Oftentimes they're beautiful in the first place, but there's so much, yeah, so much that goes into the design on the operation. And I know that all these properties that we're featuring in the, in the series, uh, are, uh, do have these, you know, offers, uh, tours around the properties. And we also do that at Mana as well. You know, you know, I've done, I don't know how many tours in my, in the last couple of years, but our staff are also quite used to giving tours and when they actually understand how the rainwater system works, you know, the one, the thing that I just described or how we have X number of solar panels or how the permaculture garden works. And then we actually harvest the vegetables um, from the garden and then they go to the kitchen and then any food waste that's generated from the kitchen actually go back to the, the gardens uh, after they're being composted. I think, the guests have a much higher appreciation of their stay, their experience. And yeah, they find kind of value and meaning in traveling, right? And so it's not just, it's not just a hotel room that they stay in, but they feel more connected to, to nature and also to, to the environment. I suppose you could always inspire people when they go home to maybe introduce a filtration system or start composting or you you could inspire small incremental changes in your guests to take forward to their homes yeah and that's yeah that's exactly one of the objectives of of having this kind of hotel is is to inspire lifestyle changes and there's one concept called edutainment right so it's education entertainment kind of combine into one. And that's really the concept that we're trying to promote at Mana. 
Um, and so we have, you know, little signs all over the property talking about why we do what we do. And so if, if guests can, you know, go home after staying at Mana thinking that, oh, this energy use, you know, this could be improved or water usage. Oh, I remember drinking filtered rainwater. Like, I wonder where my water comes from, you know, at home. Or thinking about food waste, or any any anything like that. I think that that's a huge win for us, and that I think it's and also one thing about sustainability is that you know sustainable lifestyle is that a lot of people think you have to make big sacrifices. If you take it to the extreme, yes, you do you do have to make sacrifices. But what we're trying to do at Mana is that you know you can have a fairly comfortable. Um, experience without sacrificing um, your expectations, sacrificing comfort, and yet have this kind of meaningful experience. That's great, and I, I hope so. And again, since you're based in Bali, that that's all very natural. I mean, even you mentioned the insects and the rain; those all sound like very authentic Bali experiences. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's hard not to reconnect with nature in Bali because it uh, it'll reconnect with you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> otherwise, you know, you mentioned the tour. And I, you know, I've stayed at a number of really nice, sustainable properties, and often, like they invite you on a tour because they'd like to let you know about uh, how, how the things that they're doing. Now, one thing that is also occasionally incorporated, which is great, is connecting with lo the local culture and, and the communities, how a resort staffs itself, how it interacts with the community within which it exists as a member of that community. Is that something that you, your video series focuses on or the hotels try to make an effort in order to become kind of a next-gen property? So in that, in each video, we ask the property owner three sustainability features that they're most proud of. And they can mention anything they want. But oftentimes they talk about their community engagement, how they're employing local people, how they are educating, empowering local people. And I think that's such a huge pillar in this type of work. And for us at MANA, we actually employ 40% of the staff from the local, local Banjar, which is, which is the, the village. And, um, which is actually a good thing, right? It's a win-win situation for us because we have locals who live literally 30 seconds or a minute away from the hotel who are working at our property and they're invested in this, right? And we happen to be actually the, the biggest business in this local village, even though we're not big at all, simply because there aren't actually other, other businesses around. And so for, for them, it's, yeah, it's, it's an employment opportunity, but it's also an opportunity to kind of showcase the village as well. Right. And so, um, yeah, for us, that's, that's a really important point. And, and we, because they're from the local village, we also spend a fair amount of time trying to share about, share why we're, we're trying to be sustainable and next generation. And because a lot of them who applied to work at Mana, didn't apply for our sustainability features, right? Um, which that, that's a totally foreign thing to the locals. You know, they, they just thought, Oh, there's a new hotel. Let's, let's try to get a job there. Right. And then when they, when they actually got the job, they found out, Oh, it's actually a bit different from other properties. You know, we care about the environment. We care about the, 
the products that we sell. We care about our vendors. And so that kind of staff training and capacity building is something that we're doing every month. And then we also share a lot of the stories that we uh, we have from the other parts of Earth Company. So we have the Impact Heroes program, the Acceleration program, right? And then we have like the educational program. And so we also share, you know, the kind of the non-hospitality activities with our staff as well. So they, they know that we're doing this for, for greater meaning, uh, greater purpose. Wow, that's great. You have listed so many, you know, tangible, trackable things to make a sustainable hotel. So let's imagine I'm a traveler because I do hope to be again one day soon. <laughs> how, how does somebody go about selecting a hotel that will have a positive impact and also offer a rewarding travel experience? It's a good question because nowadays, as everyone knows, OTAs dominate the travel market, right? And when they start to book their, start to plan their travels, they go to OTA sites and maybe book their flights, find their accommodation. And a lot of the, the next generation hotel properties that we've been talking to, we've been featuring are actually trying to get more customers through direct booking. And that's because they want to have a more direct engagement with their guests. And so it doesn't mean that the, the, the hotels go, you know, are not, uh, not using OTA, um, at all. It, I think it's just trying to find a balance between having that direct engagement with guests and trying to rely on these, you know, very convenient services. And so I, I know that, you know, that a lot of the OTAs have these filters to find more sustainable, more conscious properties. I think that that feature will be increasingly in demand. And so I'm sure those will become more and more refined in the, in the coming years. And then in, if, if people are looking to, to find accommodation on their own, doing their own research, then I think it's, it's really, you know, trying to, uh, to Googling around. Um, and using keywords to find good properties. And, and that's, that's actually one of the reasons why we wanted to start our own, own initiative. So there is kind of this, you know, online kind of a travel guidebook. So they can, they know that, you know, some of the properties listed there are actually, um, ha- are vetted and are, can be trusted. Yeah. Tomo, going back to kind of your introduction and the fact that you have a lot of different uh, background and interest and expertise. Um, this might not be directly related to uh, what you're working on now, but how else do you think travelers can go about, you know, when they're planning a trip, trying to make a more positive impact while they're they're selecting a destination or or a hotel? For me, because I I work in this you know social enterprise and NGO sector, I love visiting other organizations whenever I travel. And so if I'm going to Cambodia or if I'm going to Myanmar or if I'm going wherever, right, I try to look up organizations that are doing great work and trying to to make a visit or trying to be introduced to them. And I think that's a really great way to find about find out about local issues, whether it be environmental or social issues. And then, yeah, trying to make some contributions, because a lot of times these these organizations are quite open to having guests. And so, yeah, I think that's a, that's a unique way to travel, see new places, uh, understand the, the local issues. I think that's, that's definitely one way. 
Okay, Tomo. So what other trends in travel do you see coming in the years ahead in Asia? I mean, I think the, as we, as we talked about, I think sustainable tourism, I think will become more and more mainstream, uh, triggered by the pandemic. I think people in the near term will, won't be traveling that much. People will be traveling less, but definitely find, trying to find more meaning and more value when they travel. I think the pandemic has also made people want to explore domestic locations more, which I think is a great thing. I think because, you know, flights were becoming cheaper and, you know, everything was, was becoming cheaper, people say, okay, well, I have a weekend. Why don't I just go somewhere five hours away by, by flights and take a, you know, uh, fly on a, on a cheap airline, airline. Um, but I think the, because the borders have shut down and because of travel restrictions, I think a lot of people are, are exploring domestic, uh, destinations, which I think is a really positive thing. And, you know, might as well explore your own neighborhoods, you know, before venturing out. And I think that's a definitely positive thing and which I, I, I don't see, uh, waning, uh, over the next few years. Yeah, that's great. And I'm, I'm hopeful for it too, even with domestic, uh, travel. Um, just because I think, uh, when you travel overseas, you want something more comfortable because people sometimes don't like to go out their comfort zone. But if you travel domestically, you might feel a little bit more willing to try and make a more positive impact amongst that community because they're more similar to you, perhaps. Wrapping things up, you know, on our show notes, we're going to have links to, uh, your foundation and the hotel and, and the video series. Um, but how else can listeners learn more about your project and what you're up to? Definitely, yeah, follow us on social media. Uh, there are many, both on Earth Company side and MANA, because uh, MANA, there are three business units, right? So there's the, there's the accommodation, there's the restaurant, and there's a shop. So we have an Instagram account for each of those. Um, and then we have YouTube channels and all those things. So yeah, uh, it would be great if you can check all those out come out to bali <laughs> when uh when when you can travel come out and uh definitely love to meet I you i will take you up on that me yeah too. <laughs> meet you. our listeners should too i bet there's more than a few listeners who would love to to come to bali and, and yeah. meet you yeah i look forward to the day our paths all cross and for listeners uh trevor tomo and i have all taken part in the asia pacific leadership program in different years so we have this kind of uh, alumni bond too well thanks so much yeah. for making time to chat with us and educate us all on how to travel a bit more responsibly and good luck moving these projects forward tomo thank you so much scott and trevor i really really enjoyed that conversation i've spoken with tomo one time before about four or five months ago and got to know of his project. But I just love people that can tell stories really well, really vividly and pass along the facts. Like he rattled off some really great numbers and some things that by staying at a responsible hotel, actually they do and, and really helps you minimize impact. So I thought it was quite inspiring and they're doing really neat things. Yeah, you know, I hadn't met Tomo and I didn't know his background until I watched the video and then we had him on today. And uh, I thought he was a great guest. I think it's really interesting what he's doing. I think uh, really good timing, actually, despite uh, COVID, that uh, perhaps travel is going to change now and he'll have greater influence. These types of uh, hoteliers and uh, industry influencers might actually have a chance at shaping the industry and travelers seem to be willing to want to do it according to that survey. 
Yeah, and uh, OTA, he mentioned, that's an online travel agent. So that's really any of those hotel booking sites you might use or to book tours and, and flights and, and whatnot. So that's what Tomo meant when he said OTA. I thought the water use was a really interesting figure. And I assume that also includes the water needed to, you know, grow your pig that you ate in the pork dish and also your rice. But those are some incredible amounts of water and trash that visitors generate. And I guess I never really thought about it carefully, but I bet almost everywhere travelers have a harder impact on the environment than locals do just to the nature of them out traveling, doing, traveling in buses, eating lots. So our impact is massive. And if we, we really have an obligation to curtail that when we're a visitor somewhere. Yeah. I mean, that trend sort of started a little bit with like, uh, you know, reusing your towels and, and such and signs that tell you that, uh, you know, it's directly related to your water consumption at a destination. But, uh, you know, there's so many things that that impact that. And then again, like mentioning the impact on the community um, and having the experience as a traveler to learn about how their travel is making like a, less of an impact or hopefully a positive impact uh, on the nature and community where they visit so uh, you know I'm, I'm hoping this uh, i'm hoping our podcast uh, reaches out to our traveler uh, listeners and and they check out tomo's links and his project and the hotels that are featured on the youtube video and maybe they can send us a postcard from one of those destinations and let us know how it is yeah that would be great so i guess the challenge to you to myself and everyone listening is Next trip you take, at least take a step to make it a wee bit more of a responsible one. And we've gotten some actionable items to do so. So thanks so much for listening. As we always mention, we do this out of the goodness of our hearts and for the love of travel. If you'd like to help us keep covering the cost, go to patreon.com. Just search for the podcast and you can help sponsor the show from a little bit to a lot per month. And we give everyone who does that a little bonus something something in between regular episodes yeah so thanks everyone for listening and thank you tomo for being our guest and scott uh, i'll see you again in two weeks for another episode yeah catch you then thanks for joining us on talk travel asia we look forward to sharing with you again soon hey scott do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Thom in Thailand? 